Welcome, my friend. You are listening to Read Clean YA with CJ, the podcast for teens and young adults who want to explore exciting worlds, deep themes, and epic stories without the objectionable content. I'm your host, award-winning young adult author, CJ Malacy, and in this episode, we are going to dive into an author interview with my friend and fellow author, Karen Grunst. Karen's fascination with speculative fiction began while sitting transfixed on the floor of her third grade classroom, listening to her teacher read A Wrinkle in Time. A love affair with the Chronicles of Narnia soon followed. As an adult, she enjoys reading most genres, but fantasy holds a special place in her heart. Epic series, especially those written from a Christian worldview, inspired Karen to create the Sacred Fire Saga for young adult readers. Ecclesia, the name of the fictional land, is a play on the Greek word ecclesia, meaning those who are called out. The characters in Sacred Fire grapple with their aspirations and fears, gifts and flaws, faith and doubts. Like us, each is called to play a role in a story much grander than they realize. When Karen is not writing, revising, or planning her next book launch, she often can be found on the tennis court, taking her literary frustrations out on a little yellow ball. She also enjoys hiking with her husband and sons in the national parks. The spectacular landscapes provide rich settings ideas she can't wait to utilize in future novels. Karen Grunst, welcome to the show. Hi, CJ. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I am excited because today we're going to be talking about Karen's Sacred Fire saga. Book one, Sacred Fire, released in late 2022, and book two, The Fourth Scroll, releases mid-January 2024, and I can't wait to read that book as well. So Karen, can you tell us a little bit about your series? Oh, sure. So again, it's the Sacred Fire Saga. Um, It's really geared towards young adults, and the story premise or the story world is sort of a question of what if fire as we know it is not actually fire as it was God originally intended it to be. He intended it to be something far more beautiful and sacred and powerful and a force for creation. So that's kind of the the question of, you know, that I play around with in the world building. And then um, the main character in the series, and, you know, particularly you're introduced to her in the first book, Sacred Fire, is a 17-year-old girl named Sarah, and she is gifted as a peacemaker which, you know, is sort of an unusual gifting in a fantasy setting, but she's really very much an, sort of an empath, and she can sense people's emotions, feelings. Mm-hmm. But the downside for her is that she can sense the negative emotions, and they can be crippling at times and even make her ill. So, you know, I'm kind of playing with that that world and then putting a peacemaker type of character in that world. Wow, so neat. I love that you took a different kind of play on the typical fantasy world giftings or powers, because that one is something that I'm sure readers can relate to as well, because there are people who do kind of read a room, so to speak, and sense other people's emotions. And when those emotions are not so great, it does have an impact. And I love that your story sort of comes in and highlights that to an extreme, like, okay, what if this is her gifting? And so now it actually physically is impacting her in different ways. Very, very neat. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, my undergraduate degree is in psychology. So I was sort of, you know, playing off that a little bit, you know, the different personality types and kind of who's more sensitive to that type of thing. But of course, in a fantasy setting, it's it's ramped up uh, quite a bit. 
Yes, which is the fun thing about fantasy worlds, because you can take that reality that some people really do deal with and then just amp it up to the nth degree and have some fun playing out the craziest possible scenarios with it and everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the idea for the story come about? Because you have this peacemaker, but then also, you know, your hook for the story is a populace seething in malice. So there's all of this clearly from the very beginning, this stuff in the story that's going to draw us in that's action packed, but also a lot of tension and uh, world building and all of that. So where did the seed kind of sprout from. Yeah. And it's so strange in a way because I really had the idea for this story, both the character and the world over a decade ago. And I feel like it's kind of timely now because we're in this sort of season culturally where everything seems very divisive and Mm. people are so quick to be, get angry about things or offended or upset in some way. So Um, I almost feel like, you know, kind of God kind of prompted me in a way to develop this character. Um, Again, I kind of drew on my, you know, my undergraduate uh, study in psychology. But um, yeah, it's just strange how the timing kind of worked out because I was at the time I was like, well, you know, really, God, is this, you know, right? Is it's the direction you want me to go? But I think even, you know, even back then, I just kind of felt like, there's a need for people who really want to be peacemakers. And, you know, I mean, Jesus himself says, you know, blessed are the peacemakers for they are children of God. So, you know, I think in the back of my mind, I was thinking we need more people like this in stories. Definitely. And I love how God does that. I think sometimes he just wants the seed of the idea to grow in us before it becomes something that we share with the world. And his timing is perfect. So this idea that came about in your heart and mind a decade ago, that you probably were ready to kind of do something with then he was like, hold on, wait, and until now, until it's actually for such a time as this, so to speak, where it's the perfect timing for this story in a world where there is so much divisiveness, and we need peacemakers now more than ever in so many ways. Yeah, and I think that issue of timing is so important. And that's sort of one of the themes in my in my book. And you know, we may get into that later, but sort of trusting God's timing. And oftentimes, Mm -hmm. Whatever we're doing in life, whatever stage we're in, whether you know we're teens or adults, what have you, it oftentimes we can't see the road ahead and why something does make sense. And then years later, you can kind of look back on it and go, "Oh, now I see how the pieces fit together." But I didn't see it at the time. You have to kind of take that leap of faith. Timing is something that I've always struggled with myself, where it's like, oh, I have the idea, so therefore I should do this now, or I don't know what to do, and it feels like time is running out. And it can be so easy to get caught there, but God's timing is perfect, and there is a time for everything and a season for each thing. And it is often, like you said, looking back that we can see, oh, this was perfect when it happened in this way and in this manner. And if it had happened sooner or later, it just would have fallen flat or not been as poignant and powerful as it is now. What are some of the stories that you would say are kind of similar to your book and your world, just so that readers can get an idea of books that they know and love that might 
help them to know that they'll enjoy your books as well. Sure. Yeah. I've had a couple of readers tell me that Lindsay Franklin's The Story Peddler and her series, which which I've read and I agree that, you know, there's there's some similarities there with sort of that series, that world, her main character, you know, some some similarities to mine. Another author that's been thrown out as a similar uh, would be Sharon Hink. Had a couple reviewers mention her that, and I think it's in some respects the writing style, like our writing styles can be, you know, sure. somewhat similar. And then I would also add um, Morgan L. Bussey, like her, her trilogy, The Ravenwood Saga is one of my very favorites. And I think there's some definitely some similarities in terms of the setting of our two series. Not so much the main character because hers is an assassin and okay. you know, kind of <laughs> on the road to redemption. But and then mine's a peacemaker, so you know they certainly start from very different places. But just in terms of the story world and a lot of kind of the setting details, I think there's some similarities. Very nice. Those are all great books as well. So those are fun ones for readers to check out too. But I agree. I think from what I know of all those books and yours and your story world, that would fit in so well. And it is that rich fantasy world with vibrant characters and exciting settings and uh, adventure happening throughout. So, and it's funny how, you know, you have Morgan's assassin versus your peacemaker, but I think so often we can display similar things, but with like the flip side of a coin kind of an idea, like they're like two extremes and yet they show different things in a similar type of theme or story world or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we all, all our characters have character arcs main, you know, at least our main characters should. So, you know, it's fun to see characters start from a very different place and then kind of how they end up at the end of the story or series. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, speaking of characters, is there a character that you really love writing or maybe you would call your favorite secretly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard to have favorites, of course, as I'm sure you know, because you have a big cast of characters in your series as well. But um, I mean, certainly the main character, Sarah, is near and dear to my heart. I mean, I feel like I relate to her a lot. Mm -hmm. And she, in some respects, is easy for me to write because I think we have some a lot in common. But then my favorite supporting character is actually her brother, Jonah, He is a very, uh, he's just a little younger than her. He's a very opposite personality. He's very sort of quick to anger and impetuous, and he has a knack for getting himself in trouble. And he kind of has a little bit of a snarky way about him, and he really knows how to push her buttons, which is, (laughs) as a writer, is fun. He's fun to write, and he always is good for bringing tension and conflict to the page. (laughs) Yes. And that is true. How many younger brothers know the buttons to push on their older sisters? I'm yes, sure. Yes. And I many, have a younger many brother. Many relate. Yes. They're not, they're not, he's not really modeled on my younger brother. My younger brother sure. is much better behaved, but you know, uh-huh. but I do know the whole pushing the buttons thing. Yes. I think that's a gift God gives every younger brother, the ability to know just what will annoy their older sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Yes, that's great. So we, we already kind of touched on some of the themes in your story, but I do love to dive deeper into that as every listener will know. So I would love to kind of find out from you, what are some of the themes that you have found woven into your story, whether intentionally woven in or something you discovered at the end of the book? Yeah. So one one aspect that was really interesting to me as I was writing Sacred Fire, I was about halfway through 
maybe two thirds. And I kind of like to let the themes emerge naturally as opposed to kind of picking them, you know, at the start of a draft and trying to kind of force them in. But partway through the process of, you know, the first draft, um, I heard a youth pastor speak about sort of these three questions that all young people are grappling with. And it was, who am I? Where do I belong? And do I matter? So I really started thinking about those in the context of my book and my main character, Sarah, and to some extent, the main male character, Jacob. And I wanted to make sure that when I brought the story to its conclusion, that Sarah could answer those three really important questions about herself. Hmm. So, and I think the story kind of naturally lent itself to that anyway. So I didn't really have to change anything, but they, the the questions were just kind of resonant in my mind. So, you know, as Sarah comes to the end of this first book in the series, she hasn't totally answered the question of who am I, because I have to hold some things back for later books in the series and whatnot, but she does kind of come a long way. And those are questions that are very important to her because she's an orphan. She doesn't really know her history and she's Mm -hmm. kind of grappling with you know, that question that we all do, and even at different stages of life, you know, who am I? Who, who do I want to be? Yeah. So that that was kind of fun to, yeah. to think about those. That's so neat. And I love that it was already something that unintentionally was coming out in your story. And I think that God likes to do that sometimes where he highlights it later. And then we can look back and be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what's happening, whether it's a theme in a story or something in life, sort of like what we were talking about earlier with timing. But it's neat how that youth pastor, you heard that message right as you were working on this book. And belonging is something that so many long for. And I think especially in a world where many families are broken and many experience very difficult things at very young ages now, I'm -hmm. I'm sure it's happened throughout human history, but I feel like especially in the world we're in right now, where there's so much divisiveness, where there's so much struggle and a culture that's really pushed away from the things of God, where I think so many young people are experiencing painful, difficult things earlier and longing to belong, understanding who they are, all of that. And I believe stories like yours are so important for this time in the world. So that's really fantastic themes. And I agree with you that they fit for young people, for teens and young adults, but also at different seasons in life. I think we do hit those questions over and over again. Oh, absolutely. And I know when I first started writing Sacred Fire, I was uh, writing was not my first career. So it was a very different sort of, you know, one of those curveballs that God throws at us. And, you know, it was like sort of shortly after my youngest child started school all day. So then it's kind of like, well, you know, okay, who am I now? What am I going to do in this next season of life? So I think it's when we get those, hit those inflection points, yeah. you know, even at whatever age we're at you know, you kind of really start thinking through that and, okay, what what's next for me? And God, what, what do you want me to do here in this next season? Right. And I always like to say to young people in particular that this is something that we've, we struggle with at different points in our lives. It does get a little easier, I think, to trust God in the next, when it happens again. But I think when you're 17, 18, 19, 23, you're finishing college, you're finishing school, you're starting on a new career, whatever the thing may be in your earlier season of life and everyone asks you, what are you going to do with your life? It can feel so overwhelming. And 
just it's important to know that those people half the time, they don't even know the answer to that question themselves of what they're going <laughs> right. to do in five years, you know, and so it's okay to take a breath and wrestle through that with God and know that he has a plan for you and he's going to lead you into that next season in his timing. And it's going to be, it's going to be good yes. if we can trust him through that process. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the benefit of having a few decades under your belt, speaking for myself, not for you, CJ. But, um, <laughs> you know, you can look back and see how things have worked out, even if you didn't see it in the moment. Whereas I think it's a little harder for a younger person just not having mm. that life experience. Definitely. And I think to tie in with your where do I belong and that theme of belonging, we were created for community and to fit in with other people. And I think that's something that's so vital as we're wrestling through these difficult seasons is having community and people in our lives who are at different stages in life that we can talk to and work these things out with and ask questions to. Because like you said, there's benefits to having decades of experience. And when we bring others into the process who are ahead of us on their journey, they can tell us, look, it, it's hard right now and I get it, but God will see you through this. And we can know that they've experienced that in their lives. When everyone around you is the same age as you, you all are going through similar things. And it can feel really overwhelming and intimidating because it's like, well, none of us know what's happening. None of us know if this is going to work out. And it's just good to know that there's others who are further ahead and they can come alongside of you. So I always also like to encourage that community and finding people who you can have in your life to be in this journey with you is so vital. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about back to the book because um, yeah. I love the found family trope and sort of the wise mentor trope. And, you know, I have both in the book because, again, that community is so important. And my main character, yes. Sarah, is sort of on this journey to discover who she is, where she belongs, and so I did really want to bring a community, a multi-generational community around her throughout the story. Yeah. And that's one of the things that becomes the catalyst for her growth, right? Because it's the men, yes. the people speaking into her and helping her along the way and that multi-generational approach. And we love characters who grow in stories. Mm -hmm. There's I don't know that you could probably find a best-selling book where there wasn't some version of character growth or a character arc in some way, right. because that's what draws us in. We want to see that the character is lacking and they're flawed and they need to do something and they need to grow and mature and become someone better in some ways, become more of who they were created to be meant to be through the process of the story. But we need all these other pieces and people and parts to help us become who we were made to be ultimately because they help us along our journey. And just like in the books with the characters and I love being able to watch a character and then see, Oh, that can apply in my own life as well. Yes. Yeah. We've gotten to kind of touch on these different themes and talk about them in different ways, but what do you hope a reader when they read your books in particular, what would you want him or her to take away after putting sacred fire down? Yeah. And, you know, my story is really an epic story because I just love those big worlds with rich history. And, you know, I guess one of the points I would make is that, you know, we, we're all living in a much bigger story than we realize on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, because we're living in God's story over mm. eons of time and his story is playing out and we have a part to play. So yeah. that is what I think why I really gravitate toward epic fantasy because I just like that sense of there's a 
much bigger story and sometimes the characters realize it and sometimes they don't, but the reader kind of picks up on it. So I would just want, hope that people can kind of take away that wherever you are, whatever stage in life you're at, you have a role to play in a much bigger story. Oh, that's so good. And such a great reminder for life, especially on the craziest days. I feel like we need that reminder. Oh, yeah. We need it too, don't we, CJ? Yes. Yes, always. (laughs) Again, we write for young adults, right? But it's also because these themes and these issues we discuss in the books or just in life, they're things that hit all of us and in different ways. And I mentioned in another episode that sometimes one of the fun things with teens and young adults is they kind of express the emotion a little more loudly because they're not unafraid of doing that. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we start to tamper that as we get older. Yeah, we get and those filters, you know. Yes, yes. But I think one of the things that is kind of fun and refreshing and a little bit cringy, depending on the, the moment in the book, is that the teen in the story is expressing very completely where they're at. They're snarky or they're sassy or they're overly emotional and frustrated, but yet it's how we all feel at different times in our Mm -hmm. lives. And so it is kind of fun to be able to watch that play out in that way, like kind of watch those big emotions. And then because then we can see the theme or see the issues kind of play out in a different way. Yeah. And it's lower risk too for the, you know, for the reader to kind of experience it through a character. So that the um, consequences don't bounce back on you as the reader, but you can kind of let that, the emotions play out. I really love these themes. And I've said this time and time again, I probably will always say it, but I love found family. I also really love mentor characters. So the fact that those tropes are in your story just makes it all the more fun for me. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Well, and there's also slow burn romance. That's uh, one of my other very favorite tropes. Oh, fun. Yes. And what's a young adult novel without some nice slow burn romance, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Earlier, you mentioned that writing was something that you started later in life, that it wasn't your first career, and it kind of was a pivot moment for you. Can you share a little bit about that and what started you on your journey to being an author? Sure. And I really liked, I mean, I was an avid reader as a kid. I would just devour books. And and I did, you know, I liked writing um, all through school. And I guess I had a number of sort of different interests, but I do remember in high school telling my dad, well, maybe I'll be a writer, maybe I'll, you know, become a journalist, something like that. I actually wrote a column for our local newspaper when I was in high school, um, just, you know, kind of a high schooler's perspective, which my teachers sort of kind of pushed me into, but it was fun. I guess they saw something in me that thought I should do it. But then in college, I kind of just took a different path. And I remember thinking about writing, "Eh, I don't know about all those deadlines. And, you know, I wrote the newspaper column. So I was used to, you know, these, these deadlines. And I just, um, I ended up taking a really different path and going to MBA school and working in finance and investment management for 15 years. And, but then, you know, God, like he has this way of surprising us and he kind of pulled me back at the right time to, back to my love of reading and writing. And I was in a, when I started, you know, when kind of that nugget for Sacred Fire really started kind of as a little ember in my brain, um, I was in a writing, well, a reader's uh, book club, you know, where we would, you know, just discuss all sorts of books. We were all avid readers. We love books. So that kind of sparked my love of reading again and really Mm -hmm. got me back thinking about story and 
And then, you know, the kind of the question of, well, what, what can I do with that? You know, what should I do with that? And really felt like God kind of said, well, you write the story that you want to see written. Mm. And here I am. <laughs> so That's so neat. Mm. Wow. I, I do love how God gives us those pivot moments in life sometimes. They're not always fun in the moment, but looking back, it's really neat to see how his hand was in it the whole time. The yeah, whole they can be scary in the moment. I think, you know, yeah. we can all relate to that. Like, is that really what you want me to do? And then, you know, speaking of themes, um, one of the themes in the second book, The Fourth Scroll, is kind of this idea of being called to do something really hard and not feeling mm. prepared or worthy for it. So that's kind of you know, what I'm really diving into in the second book. But again, that was kind of one of those moments for me where I just felt like totally unprepared for that, that call and unworthy of it. And, you know, you just have to work through that with his help. Right. One of my favorite verses is, um, I'm really bad at references, so I will put the reference in the show notes. But one of my favorite verses is in uh, Second Corinthians, and it's when Jesus says to Paul, you know, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been something I found true time and time again in my life is often when God does call us to something, it can feel overwhelming and beyond our ability, but he wants to meet us in our overwhelmed state, in our weak state and show us that he, his strength is perfect and his grace is enough to get us through this and to do what he's called us to do. He will never call us to something without being there to equip us to walk through it with him and with his help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So when you're not crafting these fun, epic stories, what do you like to do with your time? Yeah. Well, I love to play tennis, which I know you mentioned in your intro and I, I try to play about three to four times a week. So it really gets me up out of the chair and moving around. Yeah. And it's a very fun social time with friends as well. So that's awesome. And then um, my family and I, like our very favorite thing to do is hiking, like for vacations. My husband's an avid hiker. So we will go oh. to the national parks and, you know, hike around and it's super fun. And then a more tame activity is I love to garden as well. So oh, okay. I can just do that here at my house. I don't have to travel. Yeah. Very nice. So being outside in creation is definitely a, a similar theme throughout all yes, of that. right. Yeah. You picked up yeah. on that. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. In all of that, you mentioned in your bio that you have been inspired as you've been on these different hikes and in national parks and stuff. So for settings or scenery, and I have been to some national parks and experienced that feeling, but is there one in particular that kind of stands out as this place really got the juices flowing and you got excited about an idea. Yeah. I mean, I get inspired, you know, every time we go, but, um, Glacier National Park, there was a time probably three or four years ago, we were there in the summer as a family and we were hiking, I mean, really high up, like 12, 13,000 feet elevation above the tree line. And there's still, you know, snow and ice on the trail. And it, it kind of looks like a, just a moonscape because, you know, virtually nothing grows sure. up there. So we were hiking across this really packed, like, ice. And the cool thing is you can hear the snow melt, like, just rushing beneath your feet. You know, the water running off the mountain and you're walking wow. over it. And, I mean, it's probably literally, like, three or four inches deep. So, you know, but I started thinking, like, ooh, what if it was, like, three or four feet deep? And what if, like 
somebody fell through and, you know, what if, you know, so I was just starting to kind of churn in my brain. So I do have a scene in mind for a later book in the series that kind of utilizes that setting. So, you know, it will be a a scene within the Sacred Fire Saga. Oh, very exciting. So that's something we can look forward to in a later book then. Mm -hmm. Very neat. Well, as we are starting to kind of wrap things up for today, is there anything else you'd like to say to leave with listeners? You know, I would just say great books just can really inspire us and kind of help us on that journey of finding where we belong and who we are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my recommendation would be to turn to the greatest book. I mean, the Bible, and that's really where you can find the answers, you know, with with the help of God and the Holy Spirit. So that would be my ultimate book recommendation. I love that. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a vital part of of a life of a Christian is to be able to daily be in the word, in yes. God's word and yes. seeking his direction. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right. So before I forget, because I sometimes do forget this question, finally, can you let the readers and listeners know where they can find you and your books and connect with you? Oh, sure. So my website is com. And I have a short story prequel to the uh, to Sacred Fire in the series. So if anyone wants to check that out, it's a very short 15 to 20 minute read. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Karen Grunst and Facebook is Karen Grunst author. And then I'm also on Goodreads if um, some folks are on Goodreads and want to connect with me there, Karen Grunst. So yeah, so I love to connect with readers and our potential readers. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes so people can find you and your books and get the link to that short story as well so they can read an early part before. Is this prequel, right? You said before the Sacred Fire It's prequel. Fire it's actually a couple hundred years before um, wow. the main story of Sacred Fire. Like I said, I, I deal in long time frames and <laughs> epic yes. stories. So. But it is a very important little prequel that when you read Sacred Fire, you'll understand why it was so important. Oh, very intriguing. So something that readers should go grab right away. And it's free, which is even better. So wonderful. Well, Karen Grunst, thank you so much for being on the show. I loved getting to chat with you today. Oh, thank you, CJ. It was so great to have this time with you. I hope you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with Karen Grunst. Karen is so sweet and I loved getting to chat with her and know her better. If you're looking for an epic fantasy adventure with deep themes, I think you'll enjoy Karen's Sacred Fire Saga. Since we recorded this episode, book two, The Fourth Scroll, released so you can grab both books one and two and enjoy the adventure. Thank you so much for listening to Read Clean YA with CJ. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend so they can discover exciting, clean, young adult books too. 